here it is. Uh, this is my last show of bringing the energy tonight. Uh, <laughs> Just start with a good old throat clearing. Mm, I got a lot of genres I could have uh, poofed out onto a page, um, but I felt it was very important to do a half-assed Vice Rock episode before saying goodbye to everyone. Uh, you see, Miami Vice was the quintessential music-infused TV show of our lifetime, assuming you were alive between 1984 and 1989. It was a star maker for musicians and actors, or for musicians who turned actors, and it towed the white line between MTV and VH1 by combining a hip-edgy sound with a middle-aged audience. Uh, For instance, uh, not this song, but You Belong to the City by Glenn Frey, was written exclusively for the season two premiere of Miami Vice, but also featured exclusively in episode one of Beyond Yacht Rock Podcast Hour, which soon became exclusively near two hours. Yeah, as it should be. But we got a lot to say. uh, But before there was You Belong to the City, there was this here Smuggler's Blues, which coincidentally was created in parallel to Michael Mann's small screen opus, How's that for serendipity? Wait, did Michael Mann have something to do with the TV show? Yeah, he created Miami yeah, Vice. He, would create, he did? Create yeah, that's why it looks like yeah. a Michael Mann movie. And he made the movie? Yeah. But is yeah. it a Michael Mann movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So he was making it at the same time he was making, like, Manhunter. Oh. You, ever, you ever seen Manhunter? No. It's great. See that movie. It's, it's amazing. It looks... It's, it's a combination of Miami Vice and uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. shit. So but, it's, but the better. Han- it's the Hannibal Lecter prequel movie. Yeah, yeah. and... And like any good movie, has Chris Elliott in it. Ooh. <laughs> Funny story about that. Mm. When that, whenever that scene in the movie came out, Chris Elliott's playing a semi-serious role. Whenever he showed up on screen, everybody in the audience laughed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and people, they said it ruined the movie. People didn't know who he was at the time, other than that guy from Letterman who did like taste tests of different corn oils. Yep, made everybody laugh, even though yeah. it was a serious movie. What a presence. Yep. <laughs> Never got, never got cast again. Okay, so anyways, where was I? Uh, and so this song was made... They, they, they didn't know each other existed. And he made this song that was basically a Miami Vice episode that became a Miami Vice episode in, uh, in the, in the first, uh, first season. Is that how Glenn Fry got roped into the Miami Vice world? Is because Michael Mann heard this song and was like, Yo, Glenn Fry, I think you and I got something going on. Yep. Okay. And uh, it, this, so Smuggler's Blues actually became a plot of an episode which featured Glenn Fry as a rock and roll drug smuggling pilot. Uh, and like I said, it was a star maker. Because up until that point, no one gave a fuck about Glenn Fry. No. Nobody, nobody thought he was cool, that's for sure. Uh, so today we'll, uh, we'll not only talk about Vice Rock, like I just did a little bit, but I'm going to talk about a very specific part of Vice, different than this rootin' tootin' rock of Smuggler's Blues. Uh, today we're going to jump into a genre that made the show gritty and real and solidified the pathos of Miami Vice. It's a little thing I like to call yuppie-mo. Beyond Yacht Rock podcast, a podcast on the internet that creates new genres, counts down the best songs in those genres from 10 to 1. My name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. I'm Hunter, captain tonight. Uh, And before we talk about Hunter's uh, brilliantly identified genre of yuppie-mo, 
We're going to do a little bone throw to you Yacht Rock fans out there since we are the guys who created the term Yacht Rock. And today we have a very special bone throw. Dave, tell us about this bone throw. Oh, it's yeah. so special. Yeah, it's real special occasion. Yeah. I'm sure you've all heard the news by now, but James Ingram passed away earlier today or two days ago. You're going by the podcast release date when you hear it. Or five years ago, if yeah. somebody finally told you about it. Yeah, finally... somebody prized this out of, uh, like, the ashes of Starburns. Uh, but obviously we're bummed. Steve, you want to tell us how he died? Uh, James Ingram was felled at the age of 66 by brain cancer. Thanks, Steve. Since it's still fresh and raw, I wanted to talk about the sleeper yacht jam on his debut album. The album's called It's Your Night, and it's a who's who of holy shit of people that came up from this podcast all the time. Try Your Love Again is the song we're listening to, and it tells the story of uh, James telling a freshly dumped woman to stop feeling sorry for herself, get out there, put on a little makeup, try your love again. You know, just what just what a crying woman, a heartbroken woman wants to hear. Hey, hey, clean your, sh- your shit up, put on some goddamn makeup, get out there and, and, and roll out the welcome mat. Sometimes it's what uh, someone heartbroken has to hear, and yeah. it just so happens she has a male boyfriend, and or, I mean a male roommate, and his name is James Ingram. Yeah, man, wouldn't that be a fun, uh, fun guy to come home to? <laughs> <laughs> what are you uh, doing? Practicing? Just ruin, ruin around. Uh, the song was written by Glenn Ballard, no relation to Russ. And this Glenn guy is pretty fascinating. Uh, he got a uh, resume a mile long, and it's impressive. He wrote songs for Michael Jackson, Patty Austin, Toto, Steve's all-time favorite, Alanis Morissette. That, he was, actually not, that was not impressive. won a Grammy for co-writing Jagged Little Pill. He wrote for <laughs> Jack Wagner, Wilson Phillips, Paula Abdul, Teddy Pandegrass. And get this, he wrote a song for the Hollywood classic Navy Seals. Ooh, wow. What a guy. Co-written by Brock Patrick Walsh who has a composing credit on the Bruce Willis album Bruno, and who was obviously uh, fighting above his weight on Man, this did, one. did Glenn Ballard pass away today? That was uh, quite the tribute. Yeah, well, we've talked about... Uh, <laughs> we talked about James Ingram a lot before. Uh, okay. And okay. James Ingram, quite frankly, had zero songs on the Navy SEAL soundtrack. <laughs> true. I mean, I don't know if it's true. So sometimes... But I assume it's true. I assume it is. My, sometimes my own personal feelings come out in these um, alright personnel Phil and Gaines on synth and keys Jerry Hay on trumpet and flugelhorn fuck you Herb Albert and Chuck Maggioni good old Paulino on percussion finally it was produced by Quincy Jones who had the following to say about James Ingram's passing I hope he gave up some dirt about James Ingram yeah, yeah. Quincy likes to do Listen, James and I used to double team girls back in the there are no words to convey how much my heart aches with the news of the passing of my baby brother James Ingram. Jones said. <laughs> <laughs> with that soulful, whiskey-sounding voice, James Ingram was simply magical. From the minute I first heard his voice on the demo tape for just once, to 100 Ways, his classic duet with Patty Austin, How Do You Keep the Music Playing, Secret Garden, We Are the World, blah, 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 all our recordings. Every beautiful note that James sang pierced your essence and comfortably made itself at home, motherfucker. But it was really no surprise because James was a beautiful human being with a a heart the size of the moon, man. James Ingram was and always uh, will be beyond compare. Like my favorite podcast, Beyond Yacht Rock, you know. 
Rest in peace, baby brother. You will be in my heart forever. R.I.P. James Ingram. I'll tell you something. I always have a lot of respect for the guys that the geniuses think are geniuses. Yeah. James Ingram, you think, ah, the guy had a couple of hits. I liked his voice. He's good. Then when Quincy Jones is like, guy fucking blew my mind every time he stepped in the studio. Yeah. Then you know that was a special guy. I, I don't was, know if uh, this is true, but I'm gonna. I'm. I, this is what I feel about James James Ingram. This, this is part of his genius. Whenever Quincy Jones had a had an idea for a song for 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 like Michael Jackson or somebody else, he'd always try it out on James Ingram first to see what he could do with it. And if he if he could make it sound right, then he knew he could give it to somebody else. I don't know if that's true, but that's what that's always the impression I got of James Ingram. That was in my thing. That's in my head. I was uh, a little surprised when I was doing my research today that uh, James Ingram's first album was in 1983. I just kind of assumed he'd been around for a, a no, lot longer. No, he was no. one of the one of the fresh faces of yachts. Yeah, he was brought up, he was brought on to sing on Quincy Jones' The Dude, right? That was yeah, that was 81. Deal. Yeah. Um, I was listening to that today in honor of James Ingram, and man, that's a, such a special album. And the fact that James is all over it... Uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's really, it's really awesome. Everybody should listen to the dude um, and, and James's performance. So that just once is on there. What else is on there that he sings? One hundred ways. One hundred ways. Yeah, yeah. And if you can listen to some of like the those early Patty Austin albums with the Quis- Quincy Jones presents, James Ingram is always on all of, all those stuff. All right. I always uh, I dug this song. I, I called it kind of a sleeper hit because it was never released as a single. But there's like a bit of a Lionel Richie vibe on this. Yeah. Sort of that kind of dancey, uh, poppy funk. Yeah, this is a surprising Yacht Rock song. I was yeah. like, Dave picked a song off of this album. I'm a little wary of this is Yacht Rock. Let me listen. Oh, good job, Dave. Yeah, well, I was going through it today, and I picked another one and sent it to Hunter. I was like, hey, what do you think of this one? And, you know, it takes Hunter like an hour to respond to every text. So I kept researching while I was it going was, through it. Good it for was, him. Good it was, for you. Keep was, your phone in your pocket. It yeah. was 10 minutes. It was, yeah. <laughs> and most of it was listening to the song that he sent me because I, when you guys send me stuff, I actually watch or listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then I waited till it was over, and then I gave him my opinion. Yeah. But he suggested this one just as I was finding this one and deciding it was the one I should do. So I wouldn't call it a collaboration, but we both had the same idea. I sort, like of, sort of like how Smuggler's Blues and Miami Vice were the, the same idea yeah. at the same time. Or like... Uh, and they came together to make something yeah, beautiful. Yeah, or the Sopranos and the ABC, ABC show Kingpin. Both were released around the same time, <laughs> and one had nothing to do with the other. Like, yeah. like Volcano and Dante's Peak. Yeah. yeah. Ants and A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Armageddon and... Yeah. Uh, Asteroid. What's the other one? Big dumb asteroid movie. The Morgan Deep Freeman? Impact. Deep, Deep Impact. Impact. Aerosmith Asteroid. Oh, that was Armageddon. All right. James Ingram. Anything else to add, Steve? Rest in peace. Yeah. All right. You ready to talk about uh, your BMO? <laughs> yeah. You guys ever heard this song before? Only when you put it on this list, baby. Have you listened yeah. to these? Yeah. I'll tell you where I heard this song. I, I first heard this song when uh, our buddy Aaron Moles made a Channel 101 pilot that had me as an action star. Oh, really? He put this in there? Yeah, this was, this was like the the prominent soundtrack hit on yes. the uh, on my action movie, which I've completely forgotten the title of because it's been a long time and it didn't get into the screening. 
so I don't know where to find it anymore. Um, yes. I think I played a Russian in that. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> that was used at the mark of quality. Put me in it if you didn't want to get into the screening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, did fine for Yacht Rock. You were the, uh, you were the, the, the hot guy. Yeah, but the, that was before anybody knew me. Well, so was Smash yeah, Boys. Yeah, everybody, everybody still refers to you as the hot one. Intimidatingly so. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a goatee now, so I'm really trying not to. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I'm really trying to shed that. All right. Yeah, I thought Evil Hunter showed up. <laughs> I figured, uh, hey, what's the worst thing I could possibly do? The answer is goatee. Okay, so where are we? <clears throat> so yup, emo. <clears throat> Very simply, this is introspective, sniveling, self-pitying whinge music. It's uh, the best Yep Emo has a discordant synth, often distant and out of focus, meaning it uh, has lots of fade-ins and fade-outs, uh, stereo shifts, like it's floating around in your head. Because that synth is your head, and it's a mess. It's uh, kind of like, a, like a, what I imagine a cocaine hangover is. Yeah. Or like my head now all the time, now that I've developed tinnitus. Probably. Yep. You are about that age of yep emo. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, we hear it in we hear it in the song Voices. This is uh, Voices by Russ Ballard. Uh, no relation to Glenn Ballard. Yep. <laughs> and as you can hear, the synth really captures that '80s yuppie angst. I'm just glad we we're talking about Russ Ballard again. You guys, are great. Yeah, yeah, I want to do a, I want to do a Ballard tribute group called the the, the Ballad of Ballard. Ballad ears. Oh. But. Okay. Ballard ears. Um, It'll happen. Yeah. Uh, so lyrically, the main thing is that you you're gonna hear uh, a lot of direct references to crying or allusions to crying, particularly using water references like rain. Uh, yes, that we are going to hear a lot about rain today, um, and it's it's all about sobbing alone in a beamer after your giant brick cell phone conked out and you missed a million dollar hedge fund deal. Um, the great thing about when it rains is that it hides the tears coming down your face. <laughs> I learned that from the Temptations. If you, but that's but you're in a beamer while it's raining. Right. Yeah. It's, it's been uh, the Temptations song has been updated for the modern era of the. Yeah, 80s. it's gonna it's gonna flatten out your uh, your feathered. Uh, Feathered mullet. My, yeah, my quiff. Yeah. Back in the 80s, therapy and dealing with your feelings was still reserved for the, uh, like, cosmopolitan, wussy, Woody Allen types, and it yeah. hadn't made its way down to Miami with all the cool dudes. Right. Know. Well, this isn't... I don't think this is necessarily centered around Miami. Obviously, Vice Rock is, but... But this has got that Miami attitude. I mean, there were, there were guys with Miami attitude in New York City, but just across town, Woody Allens were going to, to the their analyst... Yeah. And, uh, you can still go to your al- analyst, and then after you get out, you would put on some Yup Emo and just let it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the start of it. This is the start of, of cool Miami guys getting in touch with their feelings, knowing how to let it out. Uh, so, so, of course, uh, these songs will be very personal and dour. It's woe is me kind of stuff without much optimism or hope, which is uh, what this song has going for it. Uh, the synth is pretty good. It's got that synth in it, but the uh, beat's a little too bouncy and hopeful. And uh, while it's de- definitely solipsistic, it remains u- unusually positive and powers ahead. Uh, we don't want that. We want this sad sack in a three-piece suit to slowly and painfully uh, dive headfirst into a regretful coke binge. 
Yeah, this part's too awesome for, yeah. for this genre. And so why is this awesome? Well, so so I'm also going to relate these to Miami Vice, and uh, since Yapimo was crucial to the series. Uh, so this one is from Calderon's Demise, a.k.a. Calderon's Return Part 2, which was uh, the conclusion of the pilot episode of, uh, that leads up to the team-up of uh, Crockett and Tubbs as Tubbs moves to Miami from New York to avenge the death of his brother at the hands of the notorious cartel dealer Esteban Calderon. Such a good name. Uh, like the pilot called Brother's Keeper, the soundtrack hurdles our heroes towards the confrontation with Calderon. But while the pilot song song in the pilot episode expresses loss and sadness before the climax in this show voices jump starts the episode as they seek vengeance so that's why it doesn't really work do you know that uh esteban calderon in english is uh stevie cauldron which is my new warlock name (laughs) that's a pretty cool name it's pretty fucking sweet give me some motherfucking iron newt And it makes some makes some fucking magic put some russ ballard on the soundtrack is my incantation the great I want an awesome spell, Stevie Cauldron. I want to hear more about your life as a warlock. I mean, just him in front of a well, cauldron. Listen, we're going to have a new... We're gonna I got do some an new instant stuff. pot. I got an instant pot for, <laughs> with my Christmas money. Mm-hmm. It's going to be my warlock cauldron. Well, hold it's on. It's very versatile. Well, hold on. You got Christmas money. Yeah, from, you know, from did, Santa Claus. Did, did Grandma give you <laughs> 20, a check for $5? Grandma's dead. That makes it really weird. Um, <laughs> Good news, Steve. Grandma left you a lot of money in the will. Bad news, you get it every year at Christmas in $5 bills. <laughs> that is something she would have done. You know, Steve, I think my my photo of you in my phone when you call is uh, from that Stevie Cauldron? Game Boys pilot we did. Oh, where yeah, where I was dressed as the wizard? Yeah, I was dressed as a nerd, and you were dressed as a wizard, and we got our asses yeah, kicked real, by the jocks. Yeah, it was a role reversal there. Yeah. Yeah, normally I'm a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> you're a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love that. You had, like, the purple cap on, and it's a great photo. Oh, yeah. It's a, it, it was a good costume. You yeah. got a really elaborate wizard you guys costume. Are, <laughs> it was a good show. Is that the one where the guy got the, uh, the paper airplane stuck into the tip of a stick? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, I don't remember that part. Yeah. That was my idea. Yeah. We need to, we need to conclude that scene somehow. Yeah. Oh, we're just running through all the failed 101 pilots this episode. That was a good one. That <laughs> oh, was from you're, right, you're running through all of the ones I was involved in. Well, actually, technically, you guys were involved in them too, or at least Steve. So far, you're two for two. <laughs> Cube of potato, powder of masala, curry soup. Instapot, Instapot, give me curry soup. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that's what you're going to be doing. Do that. I actually, cold, I, got it, I got it with the idea of making more lentils because oh. I was having a hard time making good Indian lentils oh, in, yeah. uh, oh, on the stovetop. I love when they... Right, what, what I love when you guys don't write anything on these episodes. <laughs> What's this, Hunter? <laughs> and I'm talking about soup recipes. I know, it's super natch. I love it. Uh, yeah, you got to start like it's like building a house. You got to start with a foundation, and your foundation is your base. <laughs> Eloquently put, yeah, Dave. Thank I love you. your circular, <laughs> circular logic. Um, uh, so, uh, so I fucking love this song. By the way, is, I love it. It's great. Yeah. So lyrically and aesthetically, we want something like this little number by Simply Red called "Holding Back the Years." Um, couldn't you see the guy in the corner office sobbing to this song while solely sipping a tab? What, uh, a, 
after his great. wife left him for the yeah. for her tennis instructor. <laughs> I mean, holding back the years is such a great title because it sounds like holding back the tears. These 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 emo yuppies cannot admit they're crying. No, he talks about it. <laughs> he but talks still, about the but tears. Still, they still have to keep it subtle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is good yup emo right here. This uh, is crying while you get old. Yeah, but it's if you see it's what what it's missing is that synth. So it's out of the countdown. You're out. Um, and also should be noted that this appears in by hooker by crook. Clever uh, by hooker. Clever by play hooker on words. by crook. The 20th episode of the third season of Miami Vice. It's at the very end as Crockett, Crockett's love interest leaves the country and thus him. So it's steeped in loneliness and despair. Also, it's a uh, real life foreshadowing as the lady doing the hooker doing the leaving was Melanie Griffith. Mm. So his love interest was a hooker in that episode. I think she was a kind of a madam. No. In Miami Vice, did they show the names of the episodes before the episodes? I think I don't so. think so. No, they. I know they do on some. Yes, I think they do. Okay. The A team did. <laughs> Good point. Thank you. Um, I think there's a genre called simply redhead, kind of like your Buddy Holly glasses uh, genre. genre. Yeah. Uh, people like have the haircut of Mike Hucknall and a young Michael Stipe, that curly red swoopy thing. Great. Yeah, I think yeah, for sure. It all happened within like three years that hairstyle, so yeah. the sound probably is similar. Yeah. Good idea. Thanks. So uh, before we move on, I wanted I want to uh, clear up some some what I would imagine is some confusion. Uh, well, to be Vice Rock, you need to be in Miami Vice, but to be Yapimo, you do not. Uh, so since this episode is really about Yapimo as a genre. Uh, Excuse me, as a genre used to great effect by Miami Vice, uh, not all these songs were in Miami Vice, but they should have been. Oh, okay, you're doing like the suggested soundtrack, like I did with the David Lynch core episode. A few of these, except there is some overlap. Oh, there's yeah, definitely some overlap. Okay, but there's some that were just so spot on. They should have been in there, and I don't know why they weren't. Uh, But most are from the series, and yes, Dave, those get bonus points. I love a good structured point system. Like oh. something real scientific. Yeah. I also oh, love right. when people put their initials in front of their paragraphs on the script. Meow. Inside our, baseball. Yeah, our our audience time. will definitely care about what we're looking at off the uh, pages. Well, half mm. the time I didn't know if it was Hollywood Steve or Hunter Stare. <laughs> yeah. He went by Steve Huey. I know. I know I, sometimes a, I would have to change them. It was them. a confusing system. We should have had a better meeting about that at the beginning, but mm. now we're toward the end, so it doesn't matter. Yes, mine were fine. I also want to say that this genre is a lot like uh, my divorce core genre. Yeah. I think it's clearer and better to find than divorce core, but there's also a, sort oh, there's of a, definite a overlap. sonic and theatic, thematic overlap between those two genres. Yeah. I discussed that a little bit. Okay. Ready to count it down? Sure. <clears throat> everyone based on audience suggestions i'm also a businessman in space more bits to come and you wrote that beforehand <laughs> <laughs> and he read it line for line <laughs> like looking at his script because it was too much he didn't to... even look at us Number 10. some memory lane bumpers guys oh uh, this is your life all right uh, okay. i forgot all about improv granny <laughs> she was a good character. <laughs> She's great. Um, <laughs> she had legs, unlike my real granny. 
You're... Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't want to hear that story. What happened? Shouldn't have legs. Okay, well... Well, that sounds terrible. It must have been... Horrible existence. Nah, okay. sh- sh- it was my Uncle Steve that didn't have legs. Okay. Hunter, continue. <clears throat> I knew there was a lie in there somewhere. Okay, so this one's right in the title. Here Comes the Rain Again by the Eurythmics of uh, their 1983 album Touch. Uh, it's interesting because there seems to be some uh, hope in this ocean of despair, but it's definitely seeped in melancholy. I also think this uh, gives me the funniest Im- image of a yuppie crying, let's say, uh, after breaking his suspenders before a big meeting. Gah! Here comes the rain again. Bro, <laughs> go in the other room. Uh, and you know what? It, fuck it. How about me crying, since I'm a, a, a piece of shit modern day yuppie, or what I like to call a yupster, uh, which I don't think is caught on enough, and it should. No, I've yeah. heard that before. I, I've heard it before, but I haven't heard it enough. It's yeah. like at the intersection of yuppie and hipster. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, is that what it is, Steve? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, you know what else? I just, I just figured out Instapot. It means an instant pot. It's called an instant pot. Never mind. Yeah, it's called an instant pot. <laughs> okay. Never, never <laughs> well, it's still... <laughs> no, they dropped that NT. It's a, it's a portmanteau. It they works. Didn't. They didn't. It's called an instant pot. I thought it was Insta. No, it's, no. Not. it's not. It's called an instant pot. Listen, well, what's the cool thing? called an instant pot. There's a marketing uh, idea that they missed by a, a fucking mile. Well, by two letters. So listen, let's giggle about uh, me crying because I dropped my third iPhone or my high-speed internet went out for five minutes, in five minutes or my salvaged denim crotch rotted in the wrong configuration. How about that? Me, thinking about take it. that. Uh, there's more. Uh, yeah, so maybe I'll shit on myself a little bit more. But you know what? I'm not. I don't feel like shitting on uh, on uh, baby boomers because I mostly did that throughout the entire series. And to be honest, uh, without their music, we'd have no yacht rock or beyond yacht rock, and it'd just be a lot of uh, moonshots 2000 episodes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I would have done. I would have done way more free jazz episodes without it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so but let's talk about this uh, song. The Eurythmics. First off, they were perfect for Miami Vice. Fact, but never on. Uh, more importantly, a pretty awesome new wave duo from London named after a dance used to teach music. I found that out looking up the Eurythmics. Does anybody want to try the dance? Want to teach us some music with it through dance? On our TV show, yeah. Okay. Keep talking. Yeah. All right, good. Um, yeah, the Eurythmics consist of Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox. Dave Stewart could have been a contender for the Simply Redhead, like on the 86 album cover, um, Revenge. He had a little bit of that going on. Yeah. And Annie Lennox kind of always struck me as the, the white Grace Jones, but not nearly as badass. Kind of as badass. In an art way. Yeah, but she'd never be a Bond villain. She could I have don't been. Know. She could have been. Yeah, she could have been. She could have been. But an art bomb villain. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Broccoli family probably just heard you and went, ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's she up to? Um, okay, so uh, so like most new wave bands, they were in a punk band uh, together in the 70s. Uh, first the Catch and then the Tourists. The Tourists. And uh, once the 80s hit, they wanted to use Synths, the mortal enemy of punk. <laughs> 
Uh, so they became a duo and formed the Eurythmics. And uh, this was after being lovers. So that kind of strain made, strain made for uh, interesting songs. Yeah. Like Here Comes the Rain Again. Um, song Facts, which was a shout out to songfacts.com. Found out a lot of research on there. Had a great interview with Stuart about this song. And he says a bunch of stuff about music uh, like that I don't understand. Um, but then goes on to say the whole song, the song, was Which about one? was about the oh, one this we're song. Yeah, we're listening to was about that undecided thing, like here comes the depression or here comes the downward spiral. And then later he says, "It's the wandering out of melancholy, a dark beauty that sort of is like the rose that's when it's darkest unfolding and blood red, just before the garden dies." And capturing that in a kind of oblique statement and sentiments. Jesus. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? But I tell you what, nailed Yup Emo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He nailed it better than Loggins nailed Yacht Rock. The producer's going, Dave, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> the fucking synth beat is hot. Just fucking play your dumb guitar and let Andy sing. Uh, so the closest thing we have with the Eurythmics in Miami Vice is performing with Aretha Franklin on her Who's Zoomin' Who album with the song Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves and Dave Stewart. The title track, Who's Zoomin' Who, by the way, is a fantastic fucking song. It is. And appeared in the second season of Miami Vice. Aretha's got some good stuff in the 80s. Who's Zoomin' Who? I was When I heard that, I was like, man, I wish I had another another show to jam this into because it's can, so I mean, good. You can. We can always... We're keeping the stream open. You can always do another yeah. episode of Beyond Yacht Rock if it strikes Man, you. Man, I wish I had another one. We have a <laughs> yeah, we'll hard. We have a hard enough time when we're trying to be on a schedule getting these things done. Yeah, keeping it open ended. Good luck. You ready to move on? Yep. And when the next album was Sebado, usually the one with the kid in the toilet. I think oh, yeah, it was called Cake Sale. Cake Hunter or something? Cake Sale. Cake Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been called Cake Hunter. <laughs> I'd get really depressed, man. That's good. Of course, got, I, t- I took that and made it a successful genre called yeah. Cake Hunt out of that little bit right there. Yeah, I JD like calling it successful. Well, it's successful in that it made a little bit of sense, you know. Mm-hmm. J- a- so JD made a highlight. Dave made a highlight. All right. Oh, we're keeping score. I see. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. keeping score because I listened to him. I don't have a single <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I nailed it. Oh, you listened to them all already? <laughs> yeah, I listened to them. <laughs> I'm like, wait, was I on that show? Um, I just love the idea of a kid fishing in a toilet <laughs> called Cake Hunt. <laughs> hey, I found some cake. Hey, uh, start this one over. Yeah. Because the it's really the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could be driving down a, a sultry street. This is a sultry beginning. This is not a, this is not a Huey Lewis song beginning. It's not a Huey Lewis song, really. <clears throat> no, this is a Michael Mann intro. So uh, this is what the the look of a Lamborghini driving down the street at dawn sounds like. Continue. Uh, yuppie idol Huey Lewis. Uh, he had to make the countdown in my mind, and it's mostly because of this awesome synth, as we just heard in the opener. This is walking on the thin line. It was the fifth and final single released from Sports, and according to Wikipedia, is one of their more serious songs. Uh, 
with only a single mention of tears. Uh, apparently, it's about Vietnam and the thoughts soldiers have about home. Fun fact, Crockett was a Vietnam vet. As was every protagonist of every show in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, A-Team. Magnum P.I. Mm. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it could be about me crying at the Ger- German automobile de- dealership because they only have two different versions of gray in the crossover I wanted. I didn't want silver gray or white gray. I wanted black gray. I hate gray cars. Yeah. <laughs> gray and black. We don't have colored cars anymore. Pisses me off. It's because of fucking yupsters. They only want gray and different versions of gray. I like my gunmetal car <laughs> because uh, it doesn't show dirt and I don't have to wash it. Uh-huh. It doesn't yeah. show scratches for me banging into shit trying to park in my narrow-ass driveway. Yeah, you know what? In my east side home. You know what, Blue. Orange, yellow, mm. red, colors that they had in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Those don't show shit either. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't. You, you I don't. like I like sparkly brown. I want a sparkly brown car. That's a. That's how I know I've made a good BM. <laughs> <laughs> or had too much Goldschlager. <laughs> so I got a. Uh, we were gonna do some painting around the, the cabin I bought. It was from the 70s. Wanted to keep it. Period. I bought a uh, I bought a swatch of, of car paint colors because because uh, the dealer had like would have a book yeah of car colors mm-hmm. and you could decide it was like it was like eight pages of different colors and then there there was like one black one white man well, now there's a bunch of creams and stuff yeah there were so many colors you yeah. used to be able to choose from you you know that uh that it blew my mind at that point i started to be like why aren't there colors anymore i mean you can take your car to any car like, painting place like earl shride yeah yeah, yeah not not only that you know that old uh, coke machine from the 40s that i have in my backyard i took that to a car painting place when i was a kid and i went through that book and i found like the candy apple red or the coca-cola red whatever they called it and i had them paint the coke machine <clears throat> this was a this was a mopar book and it was it was like it was like eight pages of co- different colors. Some weren't available for every car, but it told you the car and what you could choose out of all those colors. Sweet. And it was awesome. Um, okay, so uh, it's, yeah, so this isn't perfect for Yuff Emo, obviously. It's a little too bouncy, uh, but for Huey, that synth is a uh, really unique and sinister, and I'd say newsworthy. <laughs> <laughs> There's my one joke. All right, I'm out of here. I'll take it from here. (laughs) The Uh, one that only peaked at... Oh, this one only peaked at 18 on the Hot 100, which is the lowest of all the singles off sports, which uh, now looking back at it, it's a surprise. There wasn't a single uh, top five hit hit in sports. Really? Yeah, not a single top five hit. Which was hard to rock and roll? No. That was uh, number six, I think. Which was, wow. which sports was a number one album in 1984, and for the year it was number two overall. But it only had one week at number one. It was up against Thriller. Okay, Thriller was tops for the year, uh, for second year in a row. And uh, more fun facts from 1984: there were only five albums to hit number one, uh, which is the lowest in history. Name them. Thriller news. Uh, Van Sport Halen. Rain. Thriller and Sports, what? Van Halen, 1984. Nope. Purple Rain. Yep. Uh, uh, Born in the USA. Yep. I thought Born in the USA was 85. Nope. Uh, all, uh, uh, all Night Long. It's, nope. Soundtrack. It's a soundtrack. Or can't Slow Down. Oh, Footloose. it's a soundtrack. 
Uh, this guy knows his music. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yep. So Stevie uh, Cauldron. So walking on a thin, <laughs> walking on a thin line was uh, Taylor made for a final act somewhere. But the only new song we got uh, was "Do You Believe in Love," in the season two premiere. Uh, which was a good spot, but it lost. Uh, it got lost with all the heavy hitters in that premiere episode because this is this is when people yeah. knew they had a hit. Oh yeah, they're getting. I'm uh, sure that was just packed. Yeah, they were getting "You Belong to the City" in that one, yeah. and there's all oh, yeah. Um, so Hughes just kind of jammed into a tepid love uh, interest scene, and as we know, uh, uh, "Do You Believe in Love" was from Picture This, so that means nothing from Sports Made Miami Vice, which is a Damn shame. It really is. He didn't need it by that time. Oh. This, of course, is Hollow Notes with private eyes. See, Steve, I don't, I don't we, think both, we both know what we're doing. I don't think this is that good of a song. Oh, it's fucking great, you idiot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm right again. Just like a moment of Steve Passion made this guy's top ten. <laughs> top ten moments. Of oh, I thought you made these. No. What do you think? I'm going through the show, finding bits. I don't have time for that shit um, now. This is this fan picking on his favorite moments. I don't know one, what you do when I'm not here. One was Steve berating me. <laughs> it's a fucking great song. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so this is a uh, this is one emotional song uh, without a true crying reference. It doesn't have a true cry- crying reference. Um, but listen to that synth and how Don Henley wails through this thing. I don't know if I wrote this later, but here's okay. I'm going to justify the crying in this one. Later in the song, he says that uh, they'll get they'll get out of here when spring comes, which means it's winter in Southern California, which everybody knows is the rainy season. Yeah, I buy it. Okay, so that's I'm going to. I think I wrote that later, but I'm going to justify it right up the top. Uh, so this is Sunset Grill from 1984's uh, "Building the Perfect Beast." Wow. <laughs> That's the hubris. <laughs> that synth you hear, uh, that's the, st- the story of making the eagles. That synth you hear, uh, that's a Randy Newman. And uh, Patty the Warrior Smith is on background vocals. Ooh. Is it Smith or is it Smythe? I always thought it was Smythe. I think we've discussed this before. We probably I'm not have. sure. <laughs> I feel like I. I've always said Patty Smythe, but then I felt like the last time we discussed it, we decided it was Smith. I think it is because I feel like I saw John McEnroe, her husband, yes. on a talk show saying it was married to Patty Smith, and he said, not the one that you know, but the one from Warrior. Just call her Scandal. Warrior. Yeah. Uh, are you looking it up, JD? Yeah, continue and okay. I'll, I'll chime in. Uh, this one reached number 22 on the Hot 100 while the album made it to 13. Also, Don Henley was in The Eagles. What? How's that for a fun Whoa. part? That's right. That's Don Henley? Yeah, that's him. Same one. Uh, I do want to mention, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Here's uh, take this genre a little further. I want to mention uh, these songs all have a strong backbeat on the two and the four. And they're all usually electronic drums. I don't know exactly what that means besides it's like a heartbeat. Um, I'd speculate it's because these songs are so emotional. The heart is very much the lead. Um, you know, rather than the brain, which, as I said, is represented by that uh, discordant synth. Um, and to, uh, okay, so I did the attempt to justify that. Let's see. Done with that page. Uh, let's see if this song, if this is a song. Yeah, that was a great description of how music works in the body. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. 
<laughs> with, with, I wasn't sure where you were going with it, so now that you've wrapped it up, I just wanted to, I just want to compliment you on it. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you're going to hear that in all these songs, so listen to that. Um, yeah, so let's see. This is a song I'd cry to if I went to a $30 burger spot. That's just decor is either all white or reclaimed wood. Let's see. They, oh, and they only have a Beyond bur- Burger besides, and not the Jaden Smith Impossible Burger Trio? Fucking hell. I came, Jaden sent me here, and you don't have it? Motherfucker. I'd cry to this song. Uh, okay, so this uh, this wasn't in uh, Miami Vice. This too wasn't in Miami Vice, which is really uh, what we all like to call the fry zone. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but Henley was uh, able to slip in once. It was the song Dirty Laundry. Um, oh. in, a, in a very in a pretty on the nose scene with some dude digging up dirt on people. Uh, I never liked that song. Uh, I'm sorry? Dirty Laundry. Didn't he also do the one Somebody Goes to Emergency? I'm, I'm sorry that you. Somebody Goes to Jail? That was him too, wasn't it? That was used as a, a bookend for a TV show of the West Wing. Go, go ahead, Hunter. I don't know that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Maybe it's New York Minute? Is that about going to jail? Someone goes to emergency, someone goes to jail. Oh, yeah, in the New York Minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sunset Grill yeah, would have been a perfect uh, for a sad, lovesick, uh, mulleted Crockett. Uh, at the later Crockett, I think uh, season four, if he wasn't happily married to Sheena Easton for most of that mullet year. Yeah, and so if... He uh, doing a ton of crime. And if Miami Vice took place at the restaurant located next to the Guitar Center in West Hollywood. Which is what? That's the Sunset Grill. Oh! Dave just wanted to remind us that he knows a lot about locations. And good fine guitars. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's two. That's that's, that's two things about Dave he reminded us. He loves bragging about those two things. I'm looking at a a real nice Moss ride right now. Ventures model. Were you done with that one? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever... Oh. This just in, another Pope's Motown song is about to play. <laughs> Number seven. That was, that was good. Uh, that was good. Thank I you remember so much. that one. That was a good thank one. Thank you so much, guys. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Um, um, did you ever look... Did you ever find that out about how you pronounce her name? No. I mean, no. We could listen to some interviews, but I don't want to do that right now. Oh, well... Let's see. Uh, here's our. This is our last, last final. Our last final, non-voice rock song. Is uh, that cowbell? No. No. It's a. If it's not some sort of keyboard, it's a. Like a clave or something. Or a, or a xylophone. Or marimba. Marimba. Yeah, some sort of. W- it sounds more wooden than metal. Yeah. Anyway. Could be a vibraphone. Definitely not cowbells. Hunter! What's going on? Okay, so this is an easy choice for Yup Emo. Uh, it's like they weren't even trying on this one. Uh, this is King of Pain by the police from their final album, 1983's Synchronicity. Um, and it hit number three. Hit number three of the album. Well, the album hit number one on the charts. Uh, I'd say this is also our first overlap with possibly Divorce Corps. Uh, it was, as it was written by Sting just after separating from his wife and while the police were breaking up and not on good terms. 
JD, isn't, can you? Isn't that a, what divorce core was? Like, can no. you have a divorce core song if you haven't left your group yet? No, because a lot of it has to do with um, adopting a, a fancy new sound that didn't yeah, sound like your old group. Take yourself to set yourself apart from what you once were. It's a new what, you. Okay, so like and show that you've grown up now. Yeah. I believe I had a sting song in that countdown. Probably I, you did. Love someone, set them free. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it's like the hitting the gym and quitting drinking. I by the time this podcast is over, not this particular one, but our our Beyond Yacht Rock, I'm gonna understand what divorce court is. (laughs) You just listen to the freaking episode. I define. I don't want to listen to it, and I still won't get song puddings. It's just song, it's, it's songs from Britain that didn't become hits here. They were hits there. It's easy. When I announced that on Twitter, everyone started guessing right. Mm. Everyone knew what bands I was going to cover. Everyone, like, it made sense immediately. We almost we'll all get into that next we'll, week. Your followers are sociopaths. We'll get, we'll get, no, those are yours, Dave. Oh. We, gotta, we all a do a pretty good job doing the work to define our genres. You just have to fucking pay attention. We'll get into song puddings next week. I didn't. I didn't sign up for this paying attention thing. <laughs> okay. So uh, sounds like you're the king of not paying attention. Instant <laughs> <laughs> pot. Really? You're gonna give him a laugh for that? <laughs> yep. Stevie Cauldron on fire. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> not casting I, I, a spell of laughter for you all. I gotta say, I'm digging this Stevie Cauldron guy. <laughs> um. So uh, the synth on this isn't strong, um, but I'm going to count that instrumental uh, scream wail in the open. Uh, that was enough for me. And we get uh, we got rain, rain references and admission that his brain is emotionally scattered. Uh, and I, let's see, I could definitely see myself weeping to this after ordering a grande half-calf, half-soy latte and realizing there's no table space to read Twitter on my MacBook Pro. How am I supposed to get into my bubble? Oh yeah, you're you're a coastal elite. How am I? <laughs> you live in a bubble. How am I? How am I supposed to get into my bubble? <laughs> um, so the police—they uh, only had one song in Vice, uh, "Tea in the Sahara" in season one, and it took place during a hot, intense uh, hostage standoff. Sounds like they got a discount police song. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a hot one, though. Tea in the Sahara. My. As oh, a, my. They were a bit on the nose with some of these. Yeah. It was like, yeah, a little on the nose. Um, but King of Pain, uh, he, he should have been at the end of the fourth act or somewhere after a divorce or perhaps a love interest being killed or anything, really. Regardless, this to me is peak non-vice yuppie mo right here. This is a good, uh, good stuff. How much for every breath you take? Ten million dollars. What about that one or that tea one nobody likes? Eh, hey, just hey, take it. Yeah. Hey, Drake, what do you think of when you think of summer? Uh, and, and Drake says... Uh, let's see. Uh, desperation? Sad robots? Bummer Calypso music? Wrong! Oh. Uh, I'm on shuffle. Oh, I was wondering where the <laughs> good part was. <laughs> Classic me on shuffle. Yeah. You guys know this song? I never heard it before. That's uh, the beauty of Vice Rock. Mm -hmm. Get a lot of gems in there because the 
the album com- the album uh, the companies are really trying to push some stuff out there. I love this sound so much. That's why I guess Sultry hits divorce core. They're all in the family. And it's one of the reasons why I picked this as my last one because yeah. I wanted to go back to listen to this type of music yeah. that we did is a little earlier. From, is this for the Quicksilver soundtrack? Why don't you look it up on your computer? You have the whole internet in front yeah. of you. Yeah. What do you talk? What's Quicksilver? The uh, Kevin Bacon Bicycle Messenger San Francisco. <laughs> no, epic. I don't know that movie. Roger Daltrey did the whole soundtrack, and I think this might be in it. Was he? Was he in it? Kevin Bacon? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, Roger Kevin Daltrey. Bacon's in most of his movies. Roger Daltrey. He probably had a kid. Oh, thanks for the thanks for the package. Oh, hey, well, goodbye. This was at the time he was starting to act, so he was always, he put he would do music for stuff and then act. In it. Um. Anyway. So this is quality voice rock here. It said that this is some sad yuppie emo. Um, what could be worse than being a handsome millionaire rock star who just turned 40? This is tragic. This is uh, Roger Daltrey with After the Fire from the very yuppie emo titled album Under a Raging Moon. I should have, I think I say all the names of the albums. Yeah. There's some yuppie emo album, album names in here. Um, this is from 1985. I'd say this might be some divorce core crossover. Oh is yeah. Is this? Okay, but oddly enough, um, it was written by Pete Townsend. That's okay. That's I mean, fine. they can still be friends after they divorce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it obviously has that sad synth open. They're probably sharing custody of this song. Yeah. You know, they're on good terms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember the box cover now. I never saw it. Yeah. Um. This yeah. song was not on it that I can find. Classic uh, Dave uh, visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> visual humor. Visual reference. Okay, uh, so the, yeah, so, uh, so the sad synth. Oh, it's got that good heartbeat. Uh, talks about both tears and rain, and it appears that the, this is what put out the fire. Also, a name, stro- name drops Dom DeLuise. Oh, really? Yeah, you, I think you just said it. It also ma- uh, name drops Matt Dillon. Um, really? Yeah. It's a good song. It's a weird song. Was, was he trying to get it onto a soundtrack for a, a movie that had Matt Dillon and or Dom Dillon? I want to see that movie. <laughs> Me too. He didn't know what his. He didn't know how he was going to go as an actor. It was going to either be in cool young Matt Dillon movies or it was going to be Dom Deluise movies. <laughs> I could just see Matt Dillon like staring out a rainy window, like, "Oh, I miss her so much," and then. That muttly laugh that Dom DeLuise had? Oh, it'd be great. It's a good laugh. Um, Dom DeLuise and Matt Dillon should have done one of those uh, <laughs> ubiquitous... Buddy uh, cop movies? No, um, uh, b- body father. swap. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like father-son? Yeah. The entire time Matt Dillon's trying to swap back so he doesn't die of heart disease. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die soon. <laughs> he gets back into his... Uh, he gets back into Stop his own body. Stop laughing like that in my body. Stop eating bologna sandwiches in my body. This guy's eating nothing but pork. <laughs> Stop trying to turn me into Tom Deloitte. <laughs> you had your chance. We're, both these bodies are going to be fat. I want to get back in my body before you make it fat with that sausage. And why is my dick so sore? Because I can reach it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Burt Reynolds would have loved that one. Uh, so I think everyone who knows Roger Daltrey uh, knows who Roger Daltrey is. But uh, here's here's some fun facts. He was a sheet metal worker. He can play the guitar and used to build them for himself and the Who. 
He's only 5'5". Five five. He was. Is he? he <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that about him. <laughs> uh, he was. He was temporarily. His hair's so big. I had no idea a little guy could grow hair that. Big. And he was muscular. Uh, so, uh, he was uh, he was temporarily kicked out of the Who in 1965 for beating up Keith Moon and for <coughs> giving the uh, for giving the band drugs. Um, Keith Moon gave the band drugs. He beat up Keith Moon. Apparently, he used to fight a lot. He used to, he used to like kick everybody in the. I would do if I was five five. Yeah, <laughs> five five and muscular. That's like some Glenn Danzig territory there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, he's done a bunch of acting, including the Richard Grieco vehicle. If looks could kill. Whoa. Uh, where he played the, where he played the character Blade. Sure, his name wasn't Lil Blade. <laughs> Here comes Lil Blade. Oh, he's probably really mean in that. <clears throat> he's been married twice and has eight kids, including a couple he just found out about in the nineties. Yeah. Huh. Um, by, by running into another small person on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> You look familiar. They can right. see each other like at crotch level, like ever. <laughs> uh, as for after the fire, let's see. Is this one funny? Um, oh, I would. Pr- uh, I will probably sob to this while mourning this podcast. As you go on to do some hilarious, you guys go on to do some hilarious stuff in the future. Boo! Everybody has a podcast, but me. We're trying to get you to come along with whatever we do to keep going. Uh, one. Maybe not. I got a cabin. Uh, so now we're into the show, and uh, remember how I talk about how Voices was in the recap of the pilot uh, before they went after Calderon. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mention that. So that's when the, so when Voices played that first song that we heard, it was a, it was a sort of a montage, a recap of all the other episodes before it. Um, well, uh, it, when they went to, for Calderon the second time. Well, this was the recap of that two-part episode and everything from before it. So it was a montage of a montage. Uh, so that was uh, three Calderon shows total. Um, because we, as we see, Tubbs fell in love with Calderon's daughter. And we'd soon find out that he, like Daltrey, had a child without his knowledge. Uh, and uh, Yuppimo is perfect for that bittersweet uh, and one, one might say achy montage. I, w- I would certainly say that. Yeah, this song, this song has the ache. Yeah. See, we're crossing genres. Mm-hmm. This is uh, touching almost oh, everything. We just talked about Don Deluise again. You hear that? Wait, yeah. let's hear that. Let's hear that lyric. Let's go back a little bit. While I was <laughs> laughing at Don Deluise. Go back a little bit before it's the Mad Dylan part. Saw Matt Dillon oh. in black and white. Matt Dillon, the sheriff from Gunsmoke. Oh, not is the that young, what yeah. it is? Okay. I saw Matt Dillon in black and white. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole different movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, that clears it up. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't fin- figure it out earlier because that was a great bit. Yeah. That body going to make make the next uh, highlight reel. I have a feeling. Episode 198. So this episode was supposed to air before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So this was the perfect song. Unfortunately, Hunter got busy when we were supposed to record, so we had to postpone. So now, this is the perfect song. God damn it. This is pretty hey, can much. Can I go a- get a drink while this is playing? Sure. <laughs> okay, this I'll see you guys yeah. later. Hey, um, can we go outside in the driveway so you can kick me in the balls? 
This is pretty much the number one Christmas song of all time. Uh, if it's not already, it will be very, very soon. Now, Bing Crosby is two on top of it. Very, very soon. And there is a good reason for that. Because Mariah Carey is a goddess with the voice of an angel. This song is featured on a soundtrack for a movie called Love Actually, which is actually a bunch of short... I didn't write a lot for this, Hunter. Which which is actually a lot of short stories interwoven by a common thread. And that common Hold thread... On. I want to say something. Yes? Just, I just accidentally watched the beginning of Love Actually. Uh-huh. And I had no idea it was about 9-11. Oh, is that, I forgot it's about, it's about 9-11? Yeah. It's like... A lot of people equate Mariah Carey with 9-11. It's like, I, I swear, I watched it and I was like, wait, was that, was that about 9-11? It was like, after 9-11, we need love, actually. Or oh. something like that. It was. Wow. I thought you were a huge fan of that movie. Yeah, I haven't watched it since uh, since 9-11. Well, I, I it opens it. with 9-11, uses 9-11 to springboard the idea for a, a romance movie. Wow. I saw it before I knew True Love and I loved it and then I was in True Love and I saw it and I thought it was stupid. God, I hope it was about 9-11 and I wasn't making that up. Everything's about 9-11. Okay, so the song is featured on, on Love Actually. It's a bunch of short stories interwoven by a common thread that every character knows that Mariah Carey is the greatest musical artist of all time. They discuss Mariah in every scene, listen to the songs from beginning to end, Diegetically, which means it's in the context of the film. Yeah, they don't they don't break the diegesis. Yeah, they don't, it's not like a soundtrack song in the back. Like the characters right. sit down, like look at what I have. Let me play this CD for you. Yeah, like Kevin Smith uh, dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And they sit and they listen to it, and after it's over, they discuss it. Um, Sounds like a great movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, listen, beginning to end. Okay, at least it happens like six times in the movie because there's like six different stories. And then at the end, the entire and they cast... they only wanted to pay for one song. Yeah. The entire cast gets together to build a giant snowman shaped like Mariah Carey. It's a beautiful thing. Um, Very voluptuous, I would imagine. Yeah. This is also on another soundtrack that my daughter listened to, or started watching this movie on Amazon without me pushing it on her, called All I Want for Christmas is You. It's a cartoon featuring a young Mariah Carey who just wants a dog. But her dad is allergic. So Mariah Carey produced and narrates this cartoon of her as a little girl really wanting a dog. And it's called All I Want for Christmas is You. I saw Mariah Carey in a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. She was playing like the bitchy mom on the PTA that's in charge of the PTA or something like that. I thought it was a brave choice for her to, to go into playing the bad guy instead of, you know, the usual... Heroic diva role. Well, she played that cranky, that cranky bureaucrat in uh, Precious. Oh, I didn't see Precious. Yeah, I didn't I see. Uh, I got love actually. How could you miss her? Oh, she's that's terrible. That's terrible. That should be a Dom DeLuise joke. Um, let's see. Okay, so when you listen to this song, you get to imagine that Mariah Carey wants you to have sex with, wants to have sex with you on Christmas. And I think that's something we can all get behind. Fellas, do you agree? Uh, I I think this song is worse than Weezer's new covers album. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what I'll say for this song is it's a lot catchier than most of Mariah Carey's other songs. You I can got actually, me feeling emotions. I'm caught. Caught me. 
I, 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 I remember this one a lot better than her other stuff. I heard some crazy stories about Mariah Carey, that she was in a little uh, loopy house for a while. All true, probably. Yeah, like smearing shit on the walls. She's, had a, she's had a rich life. Yeah. I need some casual libel in there. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not an exclusive we, club. Yeah. Actually, it was me. It was Improv Granny. Oh, yeah, no, right. Here I am trading derivatives on the moon. Oh, look, here comes a regular fellow walking over to come talk to me. What do you have to say, regular fellow? Oh, uh, somebody put ketchup on my hot dog. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> I love the improv granny. <laughs> no context granny. No context grandpa. <coughs> okay. <coughs> Have you heard that Weezer cover album? No. I'm sure it's great. I like Weezer. I like their sound, and they cover a lot of good songs. They did no scrubs. Fine. Of course they did. It's a hate crime. Well, why is it you like you don't like Weezer, you don't like no scrubs? What does it matter to you? I just, I just think they could have done a little... You, you didn't like their cover of Africa, did you? Just because it was the exact same thing. But it wasn't. It, like, highlighted how good yeah, so I Jeffrey Jeff was. And then I loved it. But anyway, it's, like, I don't care, basically. I haven't, I haven't had a real strong, passionate opinion about Weezer in a long time. They're fine. I haven't heard the new covers uh, album, though. So I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's the abomination everyone says it is, but it I'm, sounds I'm like not a fan. But it I sounds like people are upset with it. Love their first album, their first two albums so much, and then it's just—it's like they didn't cover anything sacred. It's just like a bunch of dumb pop songs. Yeah, I think they did a Michael Jackson song on there. <coughs> Whatever, that's what I say. They just want to become a meme. <laughs> um, here's our second. Uh, I think it's Washington. pronounced Mimi. Shut up, old man. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Can you show me how to scroll on my computer? <laughs> Here's our, you know what I just realized uh, today? When I, was, I don't know. I don't think I know anybody who has a PC. JD used to be like the one friend that had a had a PC for a while. And Junior has a PC laptop. All right, Junior. I, I'm <laughs> like we use them at work. At DreamWorks, yeah, you use right. PCs. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody. I did a show based on uh, like incubators and tech, basically Silicon Valley, but not funny. Um, and because Amazon was running the show, they said we could only use ten percent MacBooks, and we had to cover them. So all these computer programmers and genius hacker type people all had PCs. <laughs> It happens. They're running Linux on them. But yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if they were hackers and whatnot, yeah. they would. You would oh. want them to have PCs. I don't think you know what you're talking about, old yeah. man. <clears throat> I don't think. So, I don't think that your story was as pointed. Oh, so, you thought it was going to be. Man, I see that shiny apple on his. On his uh... What's this hot windows thing? Okay, so here's our second washed-up rock star in a row. Have you guys heard this song? I don't think I've ever heard this song. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, so it's a it's a little unfair. Neither were washed up, but uh, it definitely passed their peak, and their songs uh, kind of spoke to that. This is a little by little by, uh, I looked this up, 
37-year-old Robert Plant from 1985's Shaken and Stirred. I, I watched the video for this and I was like, man, this this old man is fucking <laughs> yeah. what, like 40-something, 50. He's a year younger than me, which is and, weird. And already washed up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. My peak. <laughs> you know, I could I could uh, cry to this song think, thinking about what I just said. That's what I could do. Um, I'm getting sick of... Uh, okay, yeah, I wrote, I'm getting sick of writing these what I could cry to. Maybe I'll keep reading them. Maybe I'll keep going. Uh, let's see. Hey, did you guys know this Robert Plant was in another band? I think they were called the Gene Meat Four. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> they sang about Gandalf the White. Yeah, Gene and the Meats. Uh, that's... <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's talk about this song, though. This is a... This had a great example of something in a lot of these songs. It's a it's an instrument that's mimicking crying or wailing. I don't think I talked about that. It's another insight to this yup emo. You're going to hear that, and you would have probably heard that if you went back to some of those songs, but this one has the best one. It has a uh, has a pained guitar along with his pained vocals. But if you hear the guitar, it's like... Yeah, that's, that's his pain. Hmm. Um... But some have a, have a pained uh, instrument like the bass, like in Sunset Grill, or keys or really anything, you know, because uh, it's yup emo. You have to free, you feel free to express yourself. Uh, also, it's interesting uh, because that uh, sad synth takes about 40 seconds to come in. Um, instead, it, it, wait, wait, it, oh, it, instead, it introduces a, a weird verse bridge type area of the song. This is a, the song is a weird song structure. I was trying to like figure out where stuff was coming in. So it has this, this like chopsticks thing. And then this is the, the sad sort of synthy part right here. A lot of these guys who they, they think they're geniuses because they're straightforward rock and roll band sold a lot of albums. So they mm-hmm. think they could do, do anything. It's an interesting song. It's not that interesting. Um, so, yeah. So regardless, we got tears. We got a tears mentioned by the third line. And a great backbeat on this one. Uh, also, this is uh, this is the climax of the episode Junk Love. It's the sixth episode of season two. It's a dark episode of drug addiction, prostitution, incest, and Miles Davis. Ooh. And uh, this song... Those all go together pretty well, right? I... Was Miles Davis in it? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait, what did you think I meant if he wasn't in it? I don't know. Like his music? Oh, like no. they played a little Kind of Blue and just called it a day? No, Miles Davis was in it. He's a great actor, by the way. Um, if I recall, he was playing a, like a jazz musician, right? No, I think he, he was the uh, he was the, he was the owner, like manager a pool, of, pool a, of, a, of a hotel where I think there was whores. Whores? Oh. Yeah, I think. Pro- toots. I think, they call, I think they call them toots. toots. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite name for a horn player. Toots. Isn't that, isn't that also like a like a, a name for like a, a snorter snorting cocaine? Like toot. toot. Yeah. yeah. Give me a toot. Yeah, I'll sell you my soul. A, a toot off a toot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, this is this this song is the, is also the uh, sound a uh, train makes. Oh, good toot. point. Toot toot. Good point. Mm-hmm. And a butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this song is the—it's basically the soundtrack to the end of the episode uh, where the uh, where a daughter murders her abusive father. As the episode ends, it plays throughout the entire fifth act. 
Yeah, this sort of a precursor to Janie's Got a Gun. Yeah, so this has a this this uh, this episode has a weird structure, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great part of the Miami Voice. I'm, I'm losing steam on this. I can't on this. <laughs> Next up. To me, the best thing the Eagles ever did was break up. <laughs> Don Felder's song for the heavy metal soundtrack is great. In the city, Glenn Fry and the Warriors, fucking incredible. You put them in a room together, you get this soulless shit that's too soft for a goddamn dentist's office waiting room. Motherfucking zero. Yes! Ooh, our first zero vote. Wow. Here's your second zero. Fuck this shit. This guy loves Angry Steve. Yeah. I gotta let the passions out. You guys know this song? Yeah, it's nope. One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> Bangkok, living in the city, going round, round, getting dirt and gritty. Drink down. Chess players, oh, little bitty. Okay, so uh, so how many Lindsey Buckingham show songs did we get in the show? Like at least eight. I think all of them. I know I, know <laughs> I put Holiday Road in the soundtrack bit. I think we got them all, guys. This is the last one. This is Go Insane from 1984's album, The Same Name. It's an album uh, which he pretty much played everything except Cowbell on one song and uh, bass on this one. This is one of the few. Cowbell can be tough. I know this song very well. These Lindsey Buckingham songs, like you, you, I heard that in the 80s and it's an earworm. And then when you hear it again, you, you forget how fucking weird it is. Holiday Road's the same way. It's like you remember this fun song and you're just doing this dog barks and you're like, what the fuck is and this? And a doorbell. Yeah. So this is so this is when uh, Buck was somebody showed up at his home while he was recording it and he just left it in. <laughs> or he probably watched the movie and he really enjoyed the scene where they killed the dog, so he threw it in there. I think Holiday Road showed up in the second one, didn't it? No, it was the first. It was one. The, the first, first one, one but I, I think it also made the second one because they had to tie. Well, yeah, it was the. Uh, the whole passport yeah. stamping scene from the beginning of his intro. Had to remind credits. people that even though the kids look different. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, played by different actors movie. with different names. The, the actors had different names than the previous actors? Yeah. Well, like one was Anthony Michael Hall, the other one was something yeah. else. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. You would think at least they would find actors with the same names if they're right. going <laughs> like completely different people. Yeah. yeah. Like Mike Hall, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so. So, Lindsey Buckingham, he also was super old and washed up. He was 35 when he did this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Starting to uh, sense a theme. Yeah, wa- he was a washed up rocker spilling his emotional baggage. And, of course, it was about Stevie Nicks. Um, Boy, did she touch a lot of lives. Uh, he made this smack smack dab in the middle of uh, Fleetwood Mac's. Who, uh, who I've been told by the internet is a Yacht Rock band, that, that Fleetwood Mac band. But he made it in between their Mirage and Tango in the Night albums. Uh, So this song was about having to continue to work with a dysfunctional band and again without addressing any of the dysfunction. Going in there and lay down some tracks. Uh, I found a good quote on Wikipedia about this song, but it's uh, long. So just trust me when I say it's about being okay, going insane, and that sometimes it helps, but you eventually have to come back. Just imagine Lindsey hmm. Buckingham said that, and it was three pages long. Um, <laughs> it's a different, uh, this is a different Yuppie Mo song, where it fully leans into the insane synth. It doesn't really weep too, uh, for much. It's, a, it's kind of a rare manic 
Yep, emo song. Um, so I probably wouldn't cry to this. Uh, let's see, but I might listen to this while smearing poop on some mid-century furniture, especially an Ames chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a while since I wrote these. I don't remember what I wrote, but that, yeah, I think that... Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that works. You're describing both of our homes. I'm, I'm describing the upsters. <laughs> um, further, this is... Uh, you saw your Ames chair? It's up at the, my cabin because I don't want it anymore. So I just put it in the cabin and people go, oh, it's such a great chair. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very comfortable. No, not really. Is there still snow up there? It, it goes on and off. Like, like so, so we were going to record, uh-huh. to tell our audience, we were going to record, but I was up in my cabin and I was snowed in. And a lot of snow hit. Uh, did I send you guys pictures? Yeah. A ton of snow hit. It was gone a day later. Oh, wow. By the end of the next day, it was gone. It was like it, it was like six to eight inches. They had to divert the freeway through town and stuff. Yeah, they shut down the grapevine. Yeah, you couldn't... Yeah, shut down the five. And by the next day, most of it was gone. That was the day we were supposed to record. Yeah. Yeah. The day that it was fine. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> continue. So so if you're asking about the, about, about the winters in Pine Mountain Club... It, on and off. Depends if there's if there's rain coming to Southern California, it's going to snow there, and then a day later it'll be gone. You're probably going to get some snow this weekend, Hunter. I probably am. Don't want to get stuck. Okay, let's see. So this is a song that uh, made me love the gems in Miami Vice. This is from season one, episode eight, called "The Great McCarthy." Uh, I'd never heard it before. At the time, I wasn't sure I liked it. At the time, seems like a poor single, but it got stuck in my head, and I sense think this is this is my favorite Buckingham song. I think this is his best song. I don't blame you. This is good. Um, as I said, it's not overly emotional, uh, just to the point. It's got a little bit of pep. Um, because of that, it's in the middle of the episode, and what I would say is Act Two. This one has. This one was. They, I think somebody wrote maybe a third of an episode, and they just filled it in with commercials. And scenes like uh, this one that, that aired. It's during a tense pool game where Crockett whoops the shit out of a drug smuggler and wins a spot in a speedboat race. How's that for, <laughs> how's that for a sweet scene? Yeah. Uh, the song, this song was severely misused uh, and with all the flaws of this episode uh, had and how early it was, you can tell they, they didn't oh, quite sorry, know sorry. what they had by this episode and, and, and with the songs and sort of pop culture and really how to use it. Were these cigarette boats? Yes. Yeah, I remember this one. He had his own boat. He had the boat. He needed to get in the race. Yeah. So because he, most people have a half million dollar boat. So yeah. Well, I, I don't know if he owned it. Or Probably he, not. I think it was the. I think it was Vice. I think Vice may have owned it. Uh, w- were they repeating the lyric? She's a lot like you. Probably. Uh, reminds me of that honeymoon sweet jam. I've got a new girl now. And the kicker is, she's a lot like you. You know, the Canadian rock band. Yeah, they sweet. sweet. Yeah. Where's my umbrella? I really like my Fred Schneider impression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's the, uh, this is the quintessential Yuppie Mo song about rain. And it's bloody. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is Red Rain by Peter Gabriel from So, a concept album about textiles, and it's from 1986. 
<laughs> you should have seen the stage show on that tour. Just like fabric, fabric everywhere. everywhere, yards of it, <laughs> billowing. <laughs> Actually, I saw him. Uh, I saw him doing a live show of this. Like I was in Fry's Electronics, which is a regional electronics store. Kind of like what not a- Glenn a- Fry's Electronics. No, like no. what ABC Warehouse is to the Michigan area. Through a lot of the country, it's a it's a. Grocery store. Grocery store. It's a grocer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like all the TVs were set to it, like uh, the Michael McDonald TVs in uh, the 40 year old virgin. And it's just Peter Gabriel riding around on a bicycle on a round stage, singing this song with a little headpiece. And it goes from this into, I think, uh, the one about Salisbury Hill. Salisbury, Salisbury Steak. Yeah, the one about Salisbury Steak. <laughs> he was selling, he was selling lots of. Uh, that was a commercial. Good wasn't good. I, this sounds great. I want to see that. Peter Gabriel So Tour? I don't know if that was the tour. Oh. I just know I saw that while I was in Fry's shopping for uh, an amplifier. He's in the dictionary under pretentious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Next is yeah. picture. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Bono with some African kids. Bono could wishes to be this pretentious. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, so this is obviously Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. Oh, yeah, I said that. Uh, so you would assume this is about some kind of imperial atrocity in Africa, but actually, it's just about a dream he had where he swam in a pool. That's it. Uh, he, does have, he has a song, too, called I Go Swimming. I covered it. With some yeah. Song. I forgot what genre. Yeah, and I'm not a dream Oh, it was Cake Hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a dream analyst, but I'm pretty sure that means this guy's kind of odd. Yeah, he loves. Yeah, he really dreams a lot about swimming. I bet. Probably because he owns a lot of pools. Yeah, because yeah. he's so rich. Because yeah, yeah. he, he's multiple, fabulously pools. wealthy. Multiple pools. I don't know why I've been dreaming about swimming. Well, you swam in your pool all day yesterday, Pete. Oh yeah. But it was red. Um. It said uh, so. It said that uh, Gabriel had an idea for a movie called Mozo. I'm gonna assume it's called Mozo, uh, M-O-Z-O. And in it, the villagers. Just assume it's a Peter Gabriel movie. There's gonna be villagers in it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the villagers are punished with red rain, and this is the theme. It's quite a high concept pitch right yeah, there, huh? Yeah, wow. I think you'd sell it in the room. We've got villagers, and they're punished. How are they punished? Red Ring. Kind of sounds like the intro to the latest Mad Max movie. Where that nice guy is just trying to give everybody a drink of water. <laughs> um, let's see, where was I? Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I wonder why it didn't get made. Okay, uh, apparently Stuart Copeland from the police uh, made a cameo on this song, uh, but he just played the hi-hat. That's more pretentious than Peter Gabriel. No, no, no. Peter Gabriel that's, requested that. Yeah, he's like... It's like Lindsey Buckingham hiring somebody just to do the cowbell. I need a very specific thing here. I want somebody fair. from the police. Okay, we'll get Sting to sing back. No, 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 no. I want Stuart Copeland to simulate great, rain. Great, great. It's yeah, a very this, complex yeah, drop bar. what he was doing. He was, he was simulating the rain of the red rain in the song. So yes, it would be like Lindsey Buckingham if we if he got one of the world's greatest cowbell players to play a 
simulate a cow walking through his <laughs> well, as he goes insane. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Yeah, I made a camera. Uh, I yeah, see myself. Uh, that's not good. Uh, so this appears in the second episode of season three called Stones War. This is a politically charged episode about the Nicarag- Nicaraguan Contras and Sandinistas starring G. Gordon Liddy. Oh, wow. Wow. They yeah. got him to do some acting, huh? Yeah. Contras were big back then. This song ends the fourth act as a journalist is murdered, which is the emotional low of the episode, as it's mostly action from that point on. It's Trump's and, favorite fucking episode. And the Jackson Brown song, it drills in the anti-war message at the end. And that probably could have been some yup emo for, for Jackson Brown. But, uh... Doesn't talk about crying like this guy. Hey, did you guys hear you know, Trump's? He's been talking about the the women being taped up. And, yeah, and yeah. the Mexicans with the fast cars mm-hmm. that turn left or right. Yeah, and and something else. There's another element. Oh, oh, prayer rugs, Muslim prayer. Yeah. Prayer. No, no evidence of that from any border agents. It's all from the movie Sicario too. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Maddow covered this the other night. <laughs> he saw Sicario 2 It stuck with him And he thought it was real So that's that I'm, I've said this before I'll, I, I'm starting to think he might not be doing a very good job It's possible um, I try not to pay any attention to what he's saying Because it just It's just not good for me Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a good laugh He's always a funny guy. Yeah. Um, just don't, just don't God, if this, it wouldn't it be great to find out if Andy Kaufman faked his own death and this is what he's been doing the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> and he, 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 he did. They both dabbled in professional wrestling. You make yeah, a lot of good yeah. points. Yeah. Go to Patreon and support us today, because I'm going crazy. As your accountant, I must advise you strongly against pursuing this strategy. Hey, you're fired. Hey, that's my new accountant, Dave. I'm going crazy. You know what? I am on board. For every button you buy from JD, I'll send you another button. <laughs> no, stop it. Hold on. <laughs> not that crazy. Not, you know not. what? Fuck it. Five buttons no, for everyone. No, stop it. Stop it. Dave, that's your accountant. <laughs> all right, all right. I must strongly advise you against this button strategy. Oh, man, we have fun, don't we? Wow. What a, time. What a solid bit. <laughs> it's tight. Like it's tight. I was I was inspired by that mattress guy's accountant who's constantly pissed off about his incredible sales. Right, right. I, uh... Guys may not get that outside of uh, or re- certain regions. Oh, there's one of those in every town. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey JD, <coughs> the song is in here to set you up from your last episode. Hope you remember everything you wanted to say. I like the video. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? When you look for the, there's a lot of faker videos of this that like aren't. It's not clear that it's a it's a remade video. So if you haven't seen the the actual video in a while. You watch the fake video for way too long, like I did, thinking, oh, these faces are different than I remember. <laughs> it's just... It, it's or this is the end of Michael Jackson's black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as affecting as I remember, and then it's because it's not the actual video. It's a piece of shit remake. Uh, yeah, so this, uh, this song has the heartbeat rhythm uh, down, and it wears its emotion on its sleeve. This is Cry by Godly and Cream. Creme. 
the, the more progressive artsy-fartsy offshoot of 10CC. Uh, this is kind of off their album, The History Mix Volume 1 from 1985. Um, I say kind of because that album is a melange of the new and old 10CC stuff mushed together, uh, particularly this with stuff from uh, I'm Not In Love. So what we're hearing must have been a single release somewhere down the road. Because it's there's no it's not really on an album. It's, oh, this know, song it's yeah. this song's hard to find. It's that's the reason. Yeah, is because it's 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 I, yeah. I found this off of I I don't I don't know I, I had to like clip this myself in yeah, order it, to get it. It's such a memorable video. You'd think that it would be out there more. And it's such a good song. They kind of this album was kind of like a well no that was they did a remix of this album. There's like a bunch of different versions of this album. I guess one of them has a single mix on it, and I'm guessing the single is because it was on Miami Vice. Um, let's see. Uh, personally, I wouldn't cry to this song because I find it delightful. Uh, but this is almost peaky up emo, I'd say. Uh, where Red Rain hit the illusion nail on the head, uh, this one hits you in the face with just flat out crying. Um, obviously, we've all seen the video where the faces just fade into each other. I think most of them are crying. It's a great song. Some of them are. Some of them are? Yeah. I think they are. Um, or one of them is. Uh, but it's better watching middle-aged boomers sing it. Um, they were probably 32. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just picturing the end of the black and white video. <laughs> this uh, this reached uh, 16 on the top 100, but I'm sure the album uh, charted. I, I'm not... I'm, not sure the album charted. I will say that the album didn't chart because it was confusing as to where this this even appeared. Um, this is arguably the most famous or infamous ending to a Miami Vice episode. This is the soundtrack for Crockett's Showdown with conman scumbag serial murderer Charlie Bassett, played by Ted Nugent. Yeah. Oh, um, he was acting? Man, they really got the musicians' good acting roles in yeah. this show. Oh, no, this was the hot ticket, man. Like, if you could get a... By the way, you know where the term scumbag comes from? Uh, bag of scum? Used condoms. Hmm. It's called a scumbag. All right. Well, that's a uh, yeah. fun fact. So, yeah. this is, so this showed up, it was a cool sing, scene in the song. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really fit the ash, action, except it's directly about sad yuppies, and it plays throughout the entire ending of uh, multiple scenes of sad yuppies. Um, beyond the shootout so, so there's the shootout and then it's all the resolution after that um, and it, it very very much covers a gamut of negative emotions have you ever like seen this episode? no I haven't seen a lot of Miami Vice it's a uh, Ted Nugent either. is terrific I bet he is he's a character yeah, this is the kind of episode of Beyond Yacht Rock that, that guys like uh, Mike Vanderbilt, who writes a lot about blogs about the show a lot, loves. Like, because he loves yeah. pop culture stuff like that, like Miami Vice. He probably loves Miami Vice, so we'll probably get a write up for this one in the. I got. I hope not. In the in, in uh, whatever he writes for. I don't feel this. I don't feel this a very Grant. strong episode. You uh, you guys can come see Mike Vanderbilt uh, in Los Angeles on February twenty third. Performing in a Ramones tribute band at the Offbeat. Oh, how about that? Hey, plug hole. Literally plug hole. Were you telling us or the audience? I was just telling you guys. <laughs> but if anyone else is around, we got a bunch of bands playing. It's going to be great. Ring. <laughs> Hello? Hydro Man, it's Quincy. What's going on oh, here? Oh, God. 
Hey, Quincy Jones. I'm thinking about making a wrestle rock song, man. It's oh, gotten can better. Be I can too. It's, it's gonna be better. a shoot song. All right, man. We'll give Michael Cimbello to play guitar. All right, sounds good, Quincy. I'll see you later, man. Thank you. Scene. Good work. Solid Macho Man impression there. It was. Riz. Yeah, both both of your impressions. I know. I was like Rich Little. <laughs> the Macho Man one was very strong. Yeah, I agree. I was actually shocked at how what a great job I did with that Macho. Yeah, Man. you had some nuance in there. Yeah, I didn't sound like myself. No, you didn't sound like. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was actually doing a good impression. Yeah. yeah. I got to be honest. When I saw that Quincy Jones statement earlier today on Twitter, I tried to read it with your voice in my head. Tried to tried to read it. Oh yeah, I absolutely yeah. did. I just cut and pasted it and put it right in there, and that's obvious because I had to say he said. <laughs> <laughs> What's this song? <coughs> I'm not. I guess you should have listened to these songs. I guess so. You're always introducing me to new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't really want to talk over this song, but I probably uh, should so we don't get sued. Three shows before the completion. Uh, this is In the Air Tonight, which is, I assume is rain and pain. I think those things are in the air tonight. I, I, heard it come. I heard it was a song about a really gross fart. Well, I've, that's what he was talking about, right? Well, I was thinking it was come. Yeah, that, can that, you that's can the you hear part. the cum is in the air tonight? That's the Can you hear the cum is in the air tonight? That's what the lyrics are. Oh, good. I like it. I like where your head is. I like that gross humor. Is that, I mean, it's gross only if it's made up. But this is actually it's the lyrics of the song. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's about time we have a uh, theory about the meaning of this song that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so this is by Phil Collins from uh, 1981's Face Value, and which is very ahead of its time. Miami Vice wasn't even on the air yet. Wow. Uh, Collins is the king of yuppie mo, and of course, I think he's the king of divorce core. <clears throat> would you Would you say that? Yes. Um, which 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 very much overlap. Uh, so this uh, This has all the elements: uh, the synth, the wailing. Uh, you hear that wailing? The anger, the water motif of drowning, which is really rains, rain times 13. And you, you may not catch it. Yeah, water's really just a bunch of rain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you get rain times 13, that's the mathematical scientific amount that you need to drown. Yep. That's right. Water's just floor rain. Yep. That's right. <laughs> it's rain that hasn't been picked up yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and thrown at you. <laughs> so uh, you may not catch it, but the heart, the heart backbeat is there. But it's after the incredible drum fill. Oh, that is a good drum fill. Is the, this uh, it? Is it coming? No. No, not yet. The prior electronic drums uh, two, it, they added a, a, an a, a additional element in which there's like a murmur, or it's it's an unhar- unhealthy heart beating. Um, this is just this, this song is pure mastery. Um, and, uh, you know, I would cry to the song while listening to my Phil Collins records, which I think is a peak yuppiness. Yeah, it just takes the stir right out of it. Just pure yuppie. He taps into something deep down in the white man's soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or lack thereof. Yep. There it is. 
Okay, now here's the backbeat. That's right, there it is. <clears throat> so now remember uh, how that Voices song wrapped up the pilot episode. Well, this was the pilot episode. And, uh, well, it was the montage. It's kind of reminded you of the pilot episode. This was the pilot episode. And uh, nothing could ever live up to the pilot episode. The first episode of Miami Vice and the scene at the telephone booth when Crockett asked his ex-wife if it was real after learning his best friend and former partner was Calderon's informant. You see, as the drums hit and Crockett takes off his, in his Ferrari and we go full Michael Mann with the street lights glistening off the hood and the chrome wheels spinning, it's so dramatic it actually shifts. It actually, excuse me, it actually shits on the supposed final battle with Calderon because nothing could ever feel as real as the previous scene. This was perfect television and carried the entire series for five years. Basically, after watching that <clears throat> with, the, with the song, the network said, please just do this over and over until Pastel goes out of style. And they did, and that was Vice Rock with many assists from Yapimo. The end. Nicely done, Hunter. What didn't make the list? Am I wrong in thinking that Don Johnson's heartbeat is a perfect fit for this? You know what? You're probably right. It doesn't have much synth on it, but no, it's got, but a, got a lot of the other elements. Yeah, and the fact that he's just looking for a heartbeat. <clears throat> Isn't we uh, Dweezil Zappa, Zappa doing the guitar part in that? Might be. I think he is, which is just connected. Can we throw that on, J.D.? What? Heartbeat, Don Johnson? I think so, if it's on Spotify. I think Dweezil Zappa's playing the guitar in that. I think I think he is, and and that would make sense because uh, Frank Zappa was in Miami Voice. So I wonder if that's. I got a fun Weasel Zappa story. No, no. I went to see uh, Van Hagar at Wing Stadium back in 1990. Okay, this is getting better. There was a dude right in front of uh, like the the little the little like riot wall or whatever you call it the the stage wall, and then you can, like that security in there. Yeah. It was Weasel Zappa that I knew. Because he was wearing a hockey jersey that said Zappa, or no, that said Dweezil on the back. Just hanging out, watching Van Halen in uh, Kalamazoo. I said hey to him, and he said hey. Cool story, Dave. <laughs> yeah, pretty good, right? They also shot a uh, Ozzy Osbourne video in that uh, Wings Stadium. No more tears. I didn't, I didn't think of what didn't make the list, and I can't right now. Steve... I did. I forgot to think of something, so I did some panic googling, and I found a potential. I didn't. I, I don't know what this song sounds like, but there was a song on the Miami Vice soundtrack. Yes. By Duran Duran's Andy Taylor called yes. "When the Rain Comes Down." Yes. Oh Is that yeah. A bit? Is it? I'm only going by the title. I think it rocks. It might yeah. rock. It's kind of a little too hard rocking, maybe. I feel like I looked at that. I went over a lot of songs, and that one would have—that one would have tipped me because of the rain. If I hadn't found that, I would have said, "Steve Winwood's got to have one of these, right?" I don't think he. Mm. Or Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart does. Rod Stewart was considered. Um, Rod Stewart didn't really make interesting music. No, he did. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's what's the one uh, about like his incel song? Um, about some guys have all the luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I consider some guys have it's all the luck. Song. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that, uh, I considered that one. Yeah, that's... 
that some guys have all the luck reminds me of uh, I Can't Dance. Was that Genesis or was that straight up Phil Collins? That Genesis. was Genesis. That was Genesis, technically. Yeah. But that was, that was another one of those songs where <laughs> it was just like, why? Dumb video too. Yeah. <laughs> what? Terrible. You're talking. Not like that's that crazy age. Talk. Not like that age of confusion video. That was hot. Dave, what are your Land, plugs? Land of confusion. Oh yeah, I got some plugs. Um, very excited about this first one. Uh, go to this thing on the internet called YouTube. Uh, I produced a video for the band Fiddler for their new single "Can't You See." It's a great video. Came out really, really well. Was directed by a friend of mine whose name I'm hesitant to bring up in front of you guys. Is it you your make, buddy? You, you buddy? make fun of me when I do. Are you? Bu- is it your buddy? Yeah, it's a good buddy. Uh, how many clicks did it get? Uh, I don't know what it's up to, but it's doing pretty well. Hundred thousand uh, clicks? Maybe. That's what it was. I think that's where it was Saturday, when nice. I was when I was waving my clicks around in your face, <laughs> when I was showing you my clicks. Waving um, your clicks in the wind. Yep. Second. And this one's important. If you're in Lansing, Michigan, check out the record store, the Record Lounge. It's a great shop in what they now call Rio Town. Are you familiar with this, Hunter? Fuck no. Steve? Because no. we went to college near there. No. Rio Town is R.E. Olds. It's an Oldsmobile thing, but it's like a little Highland Park, Brooklyn, hipster oh, kind of area. Uh, anyway, I'm told the owner of the Record Lounge, her name's Heather. She's a great fan of what we do. And I wanted to shout her out and say thanks for the Marvin Cease Christmas album. Mm. Those are my plugs. What? Yeah. You got a Marvin C's Christmas album? Fuck yeah. Barry, that's not what I call Barry in the lead, fucker. Oh. Yeah. Now it sounds a lot cooler. Yeah. When you were like, it's like. Looks like, an, looks like 82, released in 1990. <laughs> oh, nice. It's Marvin C's. How many songs about eating pussy on Christmas are there? Like all of them. And su- nice. suitable for framing. <laughs> um. Bumpers today, those, those nostalgic bumpers sent in by Matt Bird at Wingnoy, the guy who keeps the YouTube Yadernyat list. Oh. Yasky list. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's really fun. Real fun. Uh, what, Steve, are we doing uh, Song Puddings 2? We are doing Song Puddings 2 for my <laughs> final episode because I promised a two-parter, and I'm a man of my word. No one's going to be upset with you if you, <laughs> you don't do it. <laughs> I will be. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, just don't, don't, don't think like we're, okay. Just, you know. He's selfless. I don't give a shit what you think. Oh, I know. I'm going to do my song puddings part two. He doesn't give a shit about you, Dave. Yeah. He's selfless. For those, yeah. for those of you. He's a man of his of you, word. For those of you at home, Steve crossed his arms when he said that. Yeah. And he's shaking his body all sexy. Yeah. So you knew he meant it. Uh, find Take that. If he had, I'm if actually he, looking forward if to. If he it, had pasties on, they'd be going in a circle. Yeah. The way he's <laughs> sh- shimmying from side to shimmy. side. Uh, it's a good song list. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And I have uh, a couple bones to pick with it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a good debate. Go to yachtrock.com for a useful experience. Send questions via Twitter, yachtrock. You like yachtrock on Facebook? Follow me on yachtrock on Instagram. Rate and view us on Apple Podcasts. Theme and bumper by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Matt Brousseau. And uh, that's it. <laughs> Thanks to the entire Starburns audio yeah, family. Yeah, whatever. Got some old copy in there. I know. Somebody used an old template. They also Somebody used an old template. Yeah, didn't put their initials in there. I haven't seen that template since 1984. Seriously. Cauldron Steve, everyone. <laughs> yeah.
That's going in the Steve, highlight. Stevie Cauldron, everyone. Steve, that's going in the highlight. I have a feeling that's going in the highlight reel. Seriously, how do I scroll on this thing? It's a good show.